What is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Rackliff, and it is Monday, June 29th. And you knew, you just knew, there was no freaking way the Patriots were going into this season with Jared Stidham under center. And yes, I know there are some people out there who still think that Jared Stidham has a chance. But come on. The Patriots making waves yesterday, signing Cam Newton to a one-year deal, got a whole bunch of incentives, but we're not talking about contracts here. Let's just break this thing down at the top of the show. We're also going to start some team previews here as we're getting closer, inching closer to potentially being in training camp. So I want to solidify where we are on every single depth chart, and we're just going to go straight on through two-a-days for the next 16 shows. So, of course, we'll start with the Arizona Cardinals, the Atlanta Falcons today. We'll go alphabetical there. Uh, Anyway, Cam Newton. Let's talk about this guy. Let's talk about the move. I think this is is obviously what makes sense. I mean, we're hearing from Adam Schefter that the Patriots are the only team out there to offer Cam Newton a contract. Earlier this offseason, I actually went through every single depth chart uh, specifically to look at which teams needed a quarterback. And it's really weird. You know, a few years ago, we would have said, yeah, there's a lot of teams who need a quarterback. This year, a lot of teams are relatively set, or at least, they're, you know, they're in like a, like the Broncos. They're at least in a, let's give Drew Locke the benefit of a doubt, you know, period. <laughs> is that a year? Is it even a full season? We'll see. I think he ultimately pans out and is a decent enough starter for them. But, you know, they didn't, they weren't going to be interested in Cam Newton. We saw that, you know, the Chargers, but then they drafted Herbert. So, anyway, this move makes sense. It's going to be intriguing. We know very well that Bill Belichick is not the type of head coach who is going to have a player come in and say, you have to fit this system. He has a very unique weapon, and I'm going to throw it out here. You know, if you're new to this podcast, I have my love to loves and love to hates, and what those are pretty simple. A love to love is no matter what that player does, people are going to love him. Jordan Howard can stink up the joint, and people are still going to love Jordan Howard. I don't know why, but they just do. A love to hate is a guy, no matter what he does, people are going to hate him. Mike Evans, classic love to hate. Mike Evans has a bad game, it's like, see, I told you. And if he has a good game, it's wait until next week when he stinks. Cam Newton is a love to hate. Cam Newton has been phenomenal over the course of his career as a fantasy asset. When we realize what he has done, I mean, this is a guy who really was at the the cutting edge of being the modern fantasy quarterback. Being a guy who can rush for 500-plus yards, he's rushed for 700-plus yards three times in his career. But 500-plus yards. A guy who can score five, six, seven. You know, he did score 14 rushing touchdowns in his rookie season. He's gone double digits twice, but five, six, seven rushing touchdowns. A guy who adds a high floor with his legs. Is he a great passing quarterback? No, he isn't. He has one 4,000-yard season under his belt, and that happened in his rookie year in 2011. But he doesn't have to be a 4,000-yard passer to be a top 10 fantasy quarterback. He can be a 3,700, a 3,500-yard passer with 22, 23, 24 
passing scores and still be a very effective fantasy asset because of what he brings with his legs. We know Bill Belichick is going to figure out a way to tap into that. He's going to figure out a way to use Cam not like Tom Brady. You know, we're going from we're polar opposites here. Tom Brady is a 12-yard rusher. <laughs> not for a game, for a season. That's the type of player he is. Completely different here. Of course, Tom Brady was also a guy who could, you know, he could sling the the ball around the yard. Cam Newton not you know, polar opposite type quarterback, but that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. And the beauty to Cam being a love to hate is that we are going to be able to get him on the cheap. Cam Newton for me now becomes a late round target. And I feel like I do this every year with Cam Newton. I draft him later than he should be drafted because people hate him. And it's one of those things like, Hey, it, it's a game. It's fantasy football. I don't have to love you to have you on my squad. You know, it's like the age-old thing that people out there who won't draft from their rivals. I mean, if I'm in a, in the Philadelphia area, I'm in leagues where people won't draft Cowboys. <laughs> like, come on, it's a game. I get it that you're a fan, but it's a game. We got to play the game. And love or hate Cam Newton, he's going to be productive. Now, that being said, where am I going to rank him? So in the initial rankings, which, by the way, a lot of people are asking about this, FTN is coming soon. Read between the lines really, really freaking soon. And my rankings will be live on the site when the site launches. So you'll be able to get those there. You'll be able to get the projections. You'll be able to get the draft guide. Everything that you've come to expect out of me, you're going to get. And more, by the way, and more. Oh, there's so much more. There's things that you don't even know. Here, I'll announce something. I said I had an announcement today. I'm going to be doing NASCAR projections. Oh, yeah, baby. Uh, we'll be doing, I'll be handling the DFS NASCAR project projections for the site. Uh, so, yeah, a little, you know, guilty pleasure there. But NASCAR DFS is pretty fun. Just saying. And especially now when there's nothing else to really play. And I, I'm not that good at PGA. So, anyway, back to this, though. When I put my initial rankings up, Cam Newton is going to come in. Right now, I have him at 17 among quarterbacks. So that means he is draftable. That means he is a late-round guy. The reason why I don't have him higher, because I know you might be thinking, well, Rackliff, you just said he could be a quarterback one. And yes, he could be. But my question about Cam Newton is now at 31 years old, turned 31 in May, how much durability do we have with him? So I did, in projections, take out two games. So I have him playing 14 games. I have Stidham playing two games as of now. Even with that, even with Cam Newton playing 14 games, I mean, we're still looking at some pretty solid numbers here. In fact, you know, the big one that I'm talking about with, with Cam, the real key is going to be the rushing yards. Even with him playing 14 games, I have him coming in fifth, among quarterbacks in rushing yards. The only quarterbacks who project out higher, Lamar, obviously. Josh Allen, also kind of obviously. Deshaun and Kyler. That's it. Cam on 14 games. Cam on 16 games now, I mean, he's a, he's a little, you know, he's about 70 yards behind Kyler right now. He's just a tick ahead of Russell Wilson, four yards ahead of him in rushing yards. I have Cam projected 395, Russ at 391. But Cam at 14 games now is like neck and neck with Kyler, maybe a tick ahead of him. 
In terms of rushing touchdowns, we know he's been wildly productive there over the course of his career. He actually is ahead of Kyler there, so he's fourth in rushing touchdowns. That's the bread and butter of Cam Newton for fantasy purposes. Because when you look at the the overall team, I think there are some interesting pieces. By the way, this doesn't mean we all of a sudden go gaga over uh, Nikhil Harry. We got to see it out in Nikhil Harry before we we just completely overinflate his ADP. I think he's going to be interesting, especially if they do use him big slot. But big slot means then, what are you doing with Julian Edelman? I, I don't know if I buy that. There's some talk of that. I don't know if I fully buy it, unless like they're just doing some, I, I don't know, some experimentation on offense. We'll see. Mo Sanu there. It's all slot receivers. So kind of what Cam has you know, had in, in the better part of his career, he had all those big-bodied receivers. He's got some of those guys now. Uh, but also, James White, you got to like this for James White, Cam, Dink, and Dunk, City to Christian McCaffrey, that certainly helps James White out. So I, I think James White, we're looking at, you know, RB3, because he's not going to do anything on the ground, but he adds a lot there with, uh, you know, his his game in the in the passing game. Well, also, I mean, it, it his presence takes carries off the table for Sony Michelle, Damian Harris. I mean, we'll see what happens with Sony Michelle from an injury standpoint, uh, how quickly he's able to return, or if he does end up being pupped. Uh, time will tell on that one, but regardless, it does take some of the wind out of their sails. Not that there was much in Sony Michelle's sails. Anyway, landing spot. Well, it's a freaking awesome landing spot for Cam Newton if he can make this work. For fantasy purposes, he's going to be undervalued. You're taking on risk. But it's a very, very intriguing spot for Cam Newton. And you best believe that I'm going to be going after him. By the way, safe and upside, Cam Newton is certainly upside and not safe. But uh, he's one of those upside quarterbacks now, which is nice. I I felt like we were a little thin in terms of the upside quarterbacks in uh, the late rounds. Well, now we have another one to add to the mix. So there you go. There's a take on Cam Newton. Let's dive into these team previews here. And like I said, I'd like to roll through these alphabetically. And and really the goal here is just to set the table for these teams. What am I looking at from a projection standpoint? Where do these guys shake out? And, uh, you know, sort of taking it from there. So we'll start with the Arizona Cardinals. Everybody, my grandma knows that Kyler Murray is a breakout candidate this year. And, and by the way, it's interesting because he finished seventh at the position in fantasy scoring last year. But he was only 14th in points per game. You know, there are guys who were certainly uh, much more productive on a per-game basis, like, uh, for example, Matthew Stafford, right? Of course, Stafford was, you know, was injured halfway through the season, missed half the year, but he outscored Kyler Murray. There are guys like that. Well, I think we're going to see the points per game come up this year. And really, the key with Kyler Murray is, you know, does he really start to click from a consistency standpoint in the passing game? Getting a guy like DeAndre Hopkins in there is is really going to help, obviously. I think, you know, obviously we see him dominate targets. I have him, uh, I have 509 targets uh, for Arizona, and I have DeAndre Hopkins seeing 140 of those 509. That is a healthy target share right there. You know, anytime you see guys in this range, you know, they're target monsters, and it's no surprise 
for DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, he's been a target monster for, you know, basically his entire career. Uh, so at this, we're giving him, you know, it's basically about 27.5%. That's a big number. Uh, Christian Kirk, I have coming in at 90 targets right now. It's a little bit below what he saw last year. He um, went up over 100 targets last year. And a big reason for that is just simply because of the presence of Hopkins. But he's got, it's almost 18% in terms of his share. It's a solid number. I actually don't mind Christian Kirk at his ADP. And remember, what was that, week 10 last year? I mean, dude has weekly wide receiver one potential, like number one wide receiver. He went bonkers. That was against the Bucks that game. Went off, three touchdowns. I mean, he's got upside, and the beauty is he's going to be playing opposite Hopkins. We know Hopkins is going to draw attention from opposing defenses, and that typically means favorable matchups for whoever's opposite him. And remember, I mean, granted, very different receiver than Will Fuller, but we there were times where you know Hopkins would draw the attention and Fuller would get pretty soft matchups and go nuts. So a guy who I'm targeting there, I am not targeting Larry Fitzgerald whatsoever. Love Larry Fitzgerald. Fond memories of Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald won me a fantasy playoff league in one of the first years that I did a postseason fantasy football. He had a magical run that year. Uh, but we're not at that point anymore. If anything, I'm really curious to see how much they work in Andy Isabella. I think I mentioned him on uh, one of the pods last week. But how much do they work him in? Uh, really blazing fast, obviously we know that. Super productive at the college level. Didn't see a ton of him last year, but just a little glimpse. And by the way, do we see some Hakeem Butler so that I can maybe get something out of those dynasty shares of him? Uh, I would love to see that. I know there are some people out there who are sort of, I don't know why, hyping up Dan Arnold. I- I'm not... I'm not interested in any of these tight ends. Tight end is such a flat position once you get beyond the the top guys. And even then, I'm not interested in these guys, uh, Dan Arnold or Max Williams. There's just nothing there. I think probably the most polarizing player of this bunch, though, is Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake, it's really easy to remember the big games because he had two of the biggest games of his career in two of the final games of last year. But, you know, what a lot of people I think are failing to remember with Kenyon Drake is just how wildly inconsistent he is. And this is like, certainly he was wildly inconsistent at Miami. Uh, In fact, going heading into last year, he had only two career 100-yard games in three seasons. And really, most of his production in 2018, because he was a top 20 fantasy running back, by the way, (laughs) in 2018, But most of his production was in the passing game. really wasn't in the run game, which is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. But regardless, with Drake, though, the the first game he was with Arizona, good. Then the next four games, not really good. He averaged 3.4 yards per carry. And I'm not a big yards per carry guy, but it's a nice, just easy, you know, at a, at a glance view of how productive he was, he was not productive at all. It, it was hard to use him. So I don't think we can overlook that. Now, that being said, I'm not saying don't draft Kenyon Drake, but I'm saying don't overvalue him. I've said it already on this very podcast. I'm not drafting him in the first round. And if somebody else wants to, fine. Go ahead. To me, that's a little reach. It's a bit of a reach. And of course, when our opponents reach, 
they let value fall down the board. So I'm not too worried about somebody reaching for him. I, I'm not going as far as taking Chase Edmonds in regular drafts, but I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to it in deeper best balls or just deeper leagues in general because he flashed some major juice right before they acquired Kenyon Drake last year. And if something happened to Drake or if Drake just was, you know, lackluster, we could see some some Chase Edmonds, but not enough to, to draft him in a regular size league, a 12 team with like 16 rounds, not going to draft him there. So there you go. Arizona, pretty interesting team. We do expect them to run a very fast pace. We will have uh, a fantastic tool at FTN about pace. So you'll be able to see how fast these teams are running, who's running the fastest, and then running in, in terms of situations as well with the lead, without the lead, what is the pace in, in all of those situations. It's going to be really awesome. But we do anticipate Arizona being super fast because they were last year as well. Let's move on to Atlanta. And Atlanta is a team that I think we we really kind of know what to expect out of them, right? There's a lot of continuity here in that sort of trio, especially of Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. You know, you have a lot of continuity. You especially know what you're going to get with Matt Ryan at this point in his career. I mean, is Matt Ryan... You know, the best quarterback of his generation, no. But he's been very productive, and and all of that productivity has been especially good for, you know, for fantasy purposes. And it's one of those, he's one of those guys, it's not sexy in a lot of instances, not sexy to own Matt Ryan. But at the same time, when you look at it, I mean, hey, he was the number two fantasy quarterback in 2018. He was the number nine fantasy quarterback last year. This is a guy who's almost cracked 5,000 yards twice in his career. You know, you almost, you essentially, you ink him in for 4,000 plus. You pencil him in for 4,500. I mean, right now, I'm I'm just shy of 4,500 yards in terms of my projections for him. You know, right now, we're sitting at uh, 4,487 25 passing touchdowns, not an enormous number, but a pretty solid number right there. Uh, you know, you know what you're gonna get. It's not probably gonna be the number one quarterback, but back end quarterback one. And it's a pretty favorable offense overall. Now, the thing about him, though, he's not gonna give you anything with his legs, and we know that. We know what to expect out of Julio Jones at this point in his career. He's awesome. He is really awesome. Of course, the one downfall to Julio Jones is he's probably not going to score double-digit touchdowns. In fact, right now, I have him projected at 95 catches. That is a massive number of catches. Remember, projections are always going to be a little bit conservative. You know, right now, in terms of um, in terms of receptions, I only have one guy projected over 100, and it's Michael Thomas. <laughs> And he said 122, which is an unbelievable number until you you're, you're, you say, okay, well, it's Michael Thomas. It's completely believable. Uh, but Julio, I have second. You know, 95 catches, almost 1,400 receiving yards, but only seven touchdowns. And it's not – I don't think that's a bad thing, really. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I mean, he's still projecting out as my number two receiver. I'm technically ranking him as my number three receiver because I moved – Adams up ahead of him uh, and by the way I say this a lot but it's a great reminder projections are my starting spot they probably 
if you would say like what constitutes your rankings, I would say it's about 75% projections, but projections are really just averages and you know, nobody is ever going to have going to, we're not going to have a situation where everybody is freaking average. <laughs> like that just doesn't happen in the NFL. And so I move people around based on that, based on their ceilings and floors in my rankings. So rankings are the end product. I won't ever draft with projections. I'm going to draft with rankings. I'm going to use the projections. Of course, they inform the rankings, but I'm not going to uh, fall prey to just using projections. And I think a lot of even even intermediate, not just beginner level folks, but a lot of intermediate folks kind of fall prey to that mindset of projections are the end spot. You know, I hear people say this all the time with their box scores. Well, I'm projected to win. Well, yeah, you're projected to win on average, but what does that really mean? Do you have like a 51% chance of winning? Do you have a 70% chance of winning? Because there's a big difference between those two, right? What does that really mean? It doesn't really mean that much. So rankings are a much more simplified way of viewing things, sure, but it's not like we're taking a simple approach to getting to those rankings. So anyway, Julio's a rock star. I don't expect him to score a ton of touchdowns. I don't think that's a bad thing. I really don't. Now, Calvin Ridley is pretty interesting because we know he has he has some touchdown upside. You know, he has a double-digit touchdown season under his belt already. And now last year regressed in the touchdown department, sure. But Calvin Ridley's pretty interesting. You know, I know he's like a buzz player. I'm not going to be as high on him as a lot of other folks are. Right now, I'm ranking him at 20, which is still pretty solid. He finished 27th last year, 21st the year before. So I'm a little bit higher, but what I really liked about him last year was, you know, his produ- his production in 2018 was unsustainable. He had 10 touchdowns on 64 catches. Uh, he had 821 yards. It was unsustainable though because there were a lot of long touchdowns. He had four receptions of 40 plus yards in uh, 2018. Last year at zero, but he had more yards on one fewer catch. He had 866 yards, uh, so more yards and. He didn't score as many touchdowns, but what I really liked is he had significantly more air yards. 945 in 2018, 1263 in 2019. So that increase, the deeper A dot, his A dot increased, by the way, three and a half yards. So that's nice. That means more upside. Now, of course, a little bit more volatility, but I'm not worried about that. The challenge that I'm going to run into, and I know this is going to happen with Calvin Ridley, is you know, sort of where I'm viewing him as opposed to where he's going in drafts. So right now, overall for me, I have him at 44 overall. That puts him as a late fourth round pick. I've seen him in that range, but I've also seen him start to creep up. You know, so if you're telling me Calvin Ridley, late fourth, early fifth, yes, absolutely. If you're telling me Calvin Ridley, late third, which is where he went in a recent mock draft for me, I'm not in on that. Not in on that because it's just too early. I mean, you're talking about, for me, the players who I'd be looking at in that range, uh, possibly Juju Smith-Schuster, Bob Woods, Adam Thielen, have those guys ahead of him. That's where I'm looking at those guys. So it's one of those, like, if he's there, I'm going to take him. I have no issue with him, but I'm not going to overvalue him. I'm not going to reach on, well, I'm not going to reach on any player. Uh, Hayden Hurst is going to be interesting. He's not going to get all the Austin Hooper work, but he's going to get some of that work. And I think we could be looking at Hayden Hurst as a, 
a guy who takes that ne- next step forward, I really doubt we in January are saying, oh, Hayden Hurst was a top five fantasy tight end. No, I doubt that. But what if we said he's a top 12? You know, he's right at 12 or 11. I'm not ranking him that high at this point, but I wouldn't be at all shocked by that. You know, I think it's fair to look at Hayden Hurst at just outside of that, though. 13, 14, 15. That's an interesting range of the draft. Mike Gesicki, TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, Dallas Goddard, he's right in that, that territory. Maybe a tick ahead of Dallas Goddard because he doesn't play with Zach Ertz. So yeah, there's a there's a prime opportunity, and the dude's a pretty darn good athlete, and he certainly was overshadowed by a better t- pass catching tight end in Mark Andrews. But that doesn't mean he's a slouch. Uh, finally, let's talk about one Todd girl. I know his knees. I know <laughs> his knees. His offensive line really could not generate any space for him whatsoever last year, though, and I think that's a little bit more. Of it, I mean, you're talking this offensive line was lights out in the run game in 2017, 2018, the Rams offensive line, and then they were really terrible last year. Now, the the Falcons were only a little bit better than the Rams, so they weren't great. So I don't expect massive, you know, a massive uptick in efficiency for Todd Gurley, but at the same time, there's nobody on this depth chart. Ito Smith, Quadre Olison, Brian Hill, that, that's who you have here. There is no competition for touches for Todd Gurley. And that alone, and especially the way they use the running backs in the red zone in, on, in that offense. I mean, Devontae Freeman, heavily used in the red zone in his time with the Falcons. That alone makes Todd Gurley a top 15 running back. He's right at 15 for me, but a top 15 running back for me. And I don't mind that whatsoever. And the really interesting thing with Todd Gurley is he's sl- sort of become a love to hate. You know, people don't want to draft him, so you end up getting him potentially at half a value. You know, right now, Todd Gurley, ADP. Uh, we're looking at Gurley as the 17th running back, which puts him in the third round, which I think is fair. It's right where, you know, right where I have him. I have him as a third round pick. But people... Even in the third round, you can tell when they take Gurley, there are some people who kind of are like, should I really do this? I'm going to capitalize on that mindset if I can get him in the third round. Uh, I'll have some shares of him in uh, redraft leagues this year. So anyway, there you go. Uh, That knocks that out for you. The Cardinals and Falcons will continue on tomorrow, uh, going right on through. So next up on the docket... Uh, is the Baltimore Ravens and then the Buffalo Bills. Get excited. Two running quarterbacks to talk about right there. All right, so in the meantime, hey, I appreciate everybody reviewing the show on iTunes. If you haven't already, go give a rating and a review on iTunes. It takes you two minutes. really helps me out. Of course, you can follow me on social media, at Jeff Ratcliffe, on Twitter and Instagram. I'll be back on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out of here.